This podcast is brought to you by Premiere, the UK's leading Christian media organisation. As we approach the end of our financial year, we want to remind you that podcasts like this are only possible due to the generosity of supporters like you. You could help reach millions of people throughout the year through shows just like this. Make your best gift today at premierchristianradio.plus. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello and welcome. I'm Tim Farron, and this is the show where you get to hear from a Christian politician, apart from me, about how they live out their faith in the mucky business of politics. Well, you might well think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin, and yeah, you'd be right. But then again, so is everything else. And I think Christians should be praying for their brothers and sisters who are in politics in an informed way. Well, today we're talking about Christian persecution. How much can UK politicians do to stop it? And do campaigns make any difference? And how can we get involved to change things? Well, joining us is a woman who has campaigned for religious minorities for years. Fiona Bruce is a Christian, a Conservative MP for Congleton in Cheshire, and has recently been appointed as the Prime Minister's Special Envoy for Freedom of Religion or Belief. Well, before we speak about all that... Cara Bentley as a roundup of some of the news this week. Well, step by step, things are starting to return. Elderly couples got to hold hands again this week as care homes in England allowed one visitor. In America, people who have been fully vaccinated can meet each other without masks nor social distancing. But in sunny California, social distancing still remained for the big story of the week, which was, of course, Meghan and Harry's interview with Oprah Winfrey, where Meghan said that she struggled being in the royal family so much that at points she was crying every night and feeling suicidal. The couple said if they had got support that they'd asked for, they'd still be there. Buckingham Palace hasn't yet responded to the interview, including allegations of someone asking about how dark Meghan and Harry's baby's skin would be, or the claims that it was an unwelcoming environment and that stories about Meghan in the press weren't treated with as much seriousness as those about others. But on a lighter note, Meghan revealed that they'd rang up the Archbishop of Canterbury and actually took secret vows in their back garden three days before their wedding. And although it's the public ceremony with Bishop Michael Curry that was the legal event, she said the photos of those private vows are the ones in their house. Tim, this interview seems to have just split people and not even down pro and anti-monarchy lines. What's your interpretation of the whole thing? Well, on Sunday night, the Prime Minister let it be known through a friendly journalist that he was snubbing Meghan and Harry by not staying up to watch their interview with Oprah Winfrey. If you think about it, this is an incredibly empowering development because it had never occurred to me before that one could deliver a devastating snub just by going to sleep at a normal bedtime. Now, I, I confess that I personally am not on tenterhooks about the current controversy affecting our royal family. The current Ferrari seems too much like a soap opera, too much about spin and counterspin, and not something that I'm desperate to muster an opinion about. However, for your sake, I've given it a try. So how should Christians view this affair? Well, we should be wary of gossip and hearsay. It's easy to think that we know someone enough to form an opinion of them because of what we have seen in the media. But we don't know the individuals in the royal family, and so we should afford them the dignity that we would want for ourselves. We wouldn't want to be gossiped about, so we mustn't gossip about others. Christians are to treasure truth, not find entertainment in listening to people we've never met, bad-mouthing people we've never met. I think we ought to be careful, too, not to be manipulated by those who want this to be another front in the culture war. 
Let's put it this way. If you give me someone's demographics, age, gender, education, and so on, I reckon I could accurately guess 80% of the time which side of this palaver they were on. So if you do have an opinion, check your demographics. If I'm right, there's a chance that you are being cleverly flushed into a culture war tribe. Part of my ambivalence over this comes from a sense that there are bigger things for us to worry about. Karl Marx said that religion is the opiate of the masses, a kind of palliative or diversion to take people's minds off the real issues that they ought to care about. Now he had a point that those are in control in our culture may have an interest in diverting our gaze away from the things that matter by drama and distractions like this. If we have a strong opinion on the Sussexes versus the Windsors, but no strong opinion on the UK government's decision to cut aid to the starving in Yemen, well, then I am going to suggest that we have allowed ourselves to be diverted from something that matters by something that really doesn't. Despite my cynicism, I do care very deeply about one aspect of this saga, and that's the fact that a group of people who are meant to love each other have made one another incredibly sad. Jesus came to heal relationships, ultimately by absorbing all of our selfishness and wrongs that separate us from our perfect God, and which at the same time poison all of our human relationships. It is so hard to forgive or to find peace when we feel that someone has wronged us, or we may lash out when we know that we're the one who's done the wronging. But when we know that all of those wrongs have been dealt with once and for all by the God who paid the price for us, then that liberates us once and for all from bitterness, anger, guilt, and shame. So let's pray for an outbreak of repentance and forgiveness amongst those involved in these royal rows, and then Let's focus our eyes on those issues that matter so much more. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Well, this week on the show, we're talking about Christian persecution. The charity Open Doors reckons that one in eight Christians is persecuted every day through displacement, torture, discriminatory laws or closure of churches. Someone who is passionate about this is Fiona Bruce. She's been an MP since 2010 and has recently been appointed to the Prime Minister's role of Special Envoy for Freedom of Religion or Belief. So she's probably the best person we could speak to if we want to know how we can actually make a difference when it comes to the persecuted church. Well, Fiona, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the programme. Welcome. Good morning, Tim, and uh, good to be with the Premier listeners today. Fiona, tell me a little bit about your journey to faith. You weren't brought up particularly as a Christian. Uh, you were well into your 20s, into your professional life, and then something happened. Tell me all about it. Well, thank you, Tim, yes, for asking me. Um, I, actually, as a girl, I, I, I'd gone to church most Sundays over many years. I'd, I'd actually been baptised, even confirmed, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ. And so, like many people, I went my own way. And by 27, I'd qualified as a lawyer. I'd become a partner in a, a law firm. I'd, I'd got a smart new flat in the city centre and a, a country cottage and a, a brand new BMW. I'd got everything that a lot of people strive for all their lives to attain in terms of material possessions. And I was utterly, utterly miserable. Well, I remember thinking, there's got to be more to life than this. <laughs> So I believe God heard that cry. At around that time, I was uh, in the process of appointing an assistant solicitor and a young man applied. And at the bottom of his CV, he'd written, I live my life for Christ and I'm committed to sharing his word with others. And I thought this was remarkable. I mean, it's not the sort of thing that a job coach would advise someone to put at the bottom <laughs> no. of their CV. Um, 
but I thought he'll be trustworthy. And so I appointed him. Well, a few weeks after he'd started, I thought, I must check out if he's doing okay. So uh, I had lunch with him. Of course, he had other ideas. <laughs> and uh, true to his CV, he started sharing his Christian faith with me. And I said to him, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I said, I thought you had to earn your way to heaven through good works. Mm. And he explained, it's not like that. Mm. And, and he, he used an analogy. We were both lawyers, so he, he used a courtroom analogy. Mm. He said, yes, absolutely. You know, we've all done lots of wrong things in our life. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter three, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is, it, the Bible also says, Christ died for the ungodly. And, mm. and he described it like this. We're in a courtroom and, and we're standing there. I'm standing in the dock about to be punished for my sins, for something I've done wrong. And the judge is about to pronounce the punishment. And then Christ stands there in that courtroom and says, I have taken your punishment for you. When I was put on that cross, though Christ had done nothing wrong, he died for us so that we can go free, unburdened by that sense of guilt that so often weighs us down. And just for the first time, I understood mm. that actually it wasn't up to me, mm. that Christ had died for me so that I could be free and have a relationship with the Lord. And I received that gift of eternal life. I became a Christian and my life utterly changed. And that's amazing. I mean, I guess it's, it is both humbling and utterly liberating, isn't it? to realise that you don't have to strive for it. And it's been, Absolutely. It's been done. That is amazing. And so, and your story as we go forward from that, which is one of, if you uh, seeking God's will in your life and you, to your utter, utter surprise, um, being, uh, had it laid on your heart really that politics is a place that you should be entering into. You should seek to become a member of parliament. You spent, uh, are you telling me 10 years praying about it? then 10 years trying to do something about it. Yes. Um, and then um, you were selected for uh, for the constituency for Congleton that you're the MP for in the run-up to, to 2010. That really speaks to me of, of, a, of a faithful waiting uh, for the Lord, not not rushing anything and, and being led by him, um, not letting your ambition get ahead of you, but letting him stay ahead of you. So uh, you get yourself into Parliament in 2010 <laughs> and you're in coalition with these terrible Liberal Democrats um, and, um, and you're in Parliament. What does it mean to be a Christian in Parliament? Well, for me, it's uh, about uh, the opportunity of, of being a daily witness, about the way that I do my work, that, I, uh, that I'm gracious, that I'm collegiate with, with others from different political parties. I mean, you and I are friends. Yeah. Um, and about recognising that, that a lot can, um, can be achieved together. I think, for example, about the all-party parliamentary group for freedom of religion or belief, which uh, I think we're probably both founder members of uh, in 2013. Uh, and that's where MPs from different parties have worked to highlight this issue of, of the persecuted Christian and um, have uh, worked very effectively in the many other ways that I've worked on, on issues, whether it's uh, wanting to strengthen family life or on um, challenging uh, a change in, in the law on assisted suicide. Uh, so for me, it's about being a faithful witness about the way I do my job, and then also ensuring that I am faithful to the, the priorities and principles that I believe 
God says, make a society flourish, mm. that help people flourish in their individual lives. And that sometimes means that I don't vote with the party line, party line and I haven't done. Um, but that's my priority. It's it's what are God's priorities? Absolutely. When you um, you do that and at times you have voted with your conscience as opposed to whatever line um, the party uh, may have set out at any given time, that can bring some scrutiny and it can also potentially sometimes set you back. And yet recently, relatively recently, you were appointed as the Prime Minister's Special Envoy for Freedom of Religion or Belief. Uh, so that must say something about Number 10's, you know, capacity for forgiveness. <laughs> yes, that's a good way of putting it, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very humbling and a great privilege to be... Um, uh, have been asked by the Prime Minister to undertake this role, which of course is, is very much one of cross-party working, uh, and, and not only uh, in this country, but it's, uh, it's an internationally facing role. So there is a, an alliance of, of envoys and similar appointments by governments across 32 countries across the world, uh, and we work together uh, to highlight instances of, of persecution and hopefully to um, be a voice for the voiceless. So, Fiona, being a, a hardworking constituency MP and then having this role as well, um, how, how does that affect your working week? Well, thank you for asking that, Tim. And, and yes, you're quite right. Uh, I know you and I are very similar in that um, working for and supporting our constituencies is absolutely a priority for both of us. But I think what's, um, what's really um, been wonderful for me is that this is actually an issue, um, the persecution of people for their faith, that I've worked on for many years in Parliament. For example, I've been a co-chair with Lord Alton of the All-Party Parliamentary Group on uh, North Korea for most of my time in Parliament. And so it's been a natural progression as I've uh, uh, continued to work on this uh, to then uh, build on the uh, experience that I've had of campaigning in different ways uh, in Parliament to then uh, taking on this role. So yes, it is uh, a lot more time consuming, but um, uh, it's something that I, I feel very much led to do. And what I've, I've also done as a, a result of, of taking this on is, is started to look at where I can share or pass on some of my other responsibilities. So for example, I've been chair of the pro-life all-party group for many years, but now Carla Lockhart, uh, our colleague MP, has, has stepped in to now uh, become co-chair and very much take the lead on that. So in different ways, I've uh, rebalanced my work uh, and very much looking forward to having this opportunity. And things that you're passionate about don't feel like a chore, do they? Ah, well said. Absolutely. It's a joy. It's a joy. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Fiona, in your role, you will come across some pretty egregious examples of Christians facing persecution that perhaps we could barely even imagine. Would you give me a couple of examples that you've come across that particularly uh, upset you? Yes, I will, Tim. Just to set this in context, what a lot of people don't realise, and I certainly didn't uh, initially, 83% of the world's population live in countries where they're not free to live out their faith. Mm. Um, many are discriminated against. Perhaps they, they can't get a, a proper education or a job. That's bad enough. Um, or, or decent housing or, or churches are pulled down. Mm. Uh, but then for others, the persecution is, is really atrocious. They can be driven out of their homes, their communities, um, imprisoned, tortured, even killed. The worst example, perhaps, of all is in North Korea. 
I mean, people, um, we, we've recently uh, commemorated Holocaust Memorial Day. and People, of course, remember uh, with great deal of heartache the concentration camps of Germany in, in, during the Second World War. But what most people, I think, probably don't realise is that there are still concentration camps today in North Korea mm. where people are worked to death, starved to death, even frozen uh, to death, where chemical experiments are undertaken. And there are tens of thousands of Christians in these concentration camps um, who are there uh, normally, as we understand it, for life. Mm. Um, so that is the kind of egregious uh, atrocity which some Christians today are suffering. And, and that's why it's so important that there are opportunities for us to speak out about this. What people also don't realise often is that, and this is a figure quoted by Open Doors, is that the, the greatest persecuted faith by far are Christians. Um, they're estimating their, their 2021 world watch list of um, persecution is that over 300 million Christians today uh, live in situations where there is high or very high persecution for people of the Christian faith. Mm. How can we as a country or how do we as a country involve ourselves in a way to practically help those people? Well, thank you for asking that, because um, I know people can often feel helpless. What can I do? Um, but there are there are many things that um, people can do. And I'm going to suggest perhaps today just three. Firstly, of course, Christians can pray. Mm. Um, I would be grateful for prayer for my role to make a, a positive difference in the lives of people who suffer, whether it's, um, you know, a young girl who, who's a Christian girl abducted by uh, Boko Haram and the Islamic terrorists or uh, another young girl who, who's been uh, perhaps uh, taken away and forcibly married at a very young age, forced uh, uh, to uh to, to, to or pressurised to change her faith or the pastor in, in China whose uh, church is demolished and who's imprisoned um, or even most recently um, people may have seen on the news about um, Christians in Venezuela being uh, attacked, being um, uh, hit, cut and even forced to hit their own Bibles uh, and of course for those who were endured for years so bravely in, in North Korean concentration camps I am full of admiration for these people, I think that the bravery and the grace that they exhibit is quite remarkable. So prayer for the persecuted. Mm. Secondly, there are organisations that uh, do wonderful work on behalf of the persecuted. And, and I'll name three. There's Christian Solidarity Worldwide. There's Open Doors and Aid to the Church in Need. And they will tell you of uh, campaigns you can get involved in, of petitions you can sign. Um, they can tell you how you can send letters of support to prisoners of conscience who are in prison. They will get those letters to them. And of course, um, donations to those organizations as well as prayer for their work would be appreciated. And then thirdly, um, as I'm a, a member of parliament, uh, and from a parliamentary perspective, please could I urge people to contact their MP Mm. and ask their MP to join the all-party parliamentary group for freedom of religion or belief. I believe every MP should be a member. This is about freedom of religion and belief for all, not just for any particular group. It's for everyone. You know, we need to ensure that right across the world, people are free to share their faith. Um, because if that young man I spoke about at the start hadn't been free to tell me about 
the Christian faith, I'd still be stuck in mm. what I considered at that point in my life was a very miserable existence. Um, whereas doors have opened up for me as I've followed Christ and his leading, often with great trepidation, to make a difference um, and to be uh, in the position I'm now in, which, as I say, is a humbling privilege. Thank you, Fiona. I mean, I think it's it seems to me, obviously, your your passionate um support for those who are marginalized is 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 very evident to me um and that is so important i, I read somewhere I, you know i kind of i want this to be true um but it's so tragic at the same time that the conversion in north korea often takes place as a result of those christians in the camps bravely bravely converting some of the guards um who care for them um, and it's a it's an amazing tale and it reminds us i guess in our country that yes, we do face face you know um, mockery and which <laughs> are against us. It's kind of nothing compared to what so many out there face. So we're really grateful to you for for what you do. Do you think that you know, the the machinery of government, the Foreign Office, how seriously, no matter who's in power, how seriously do you think the Foreign Office practically take these issues in in challenging governments where this kind of persecution takes place? I think that this is taken extremely seriously by our government right at the top. I think the Prime Minister is very serious about this role. And um, I think you can look to the uh, report that the, the Foreign Secretary, the then Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt MP, um, uh, instigated the independent review by the Bishop of Truro mm. on um, persecution of Christians. Uh, this is an in-depth report with 22 detailed recommendations as to how we as a country can uh, improve uh, uh, supporting the persecuted uh, and that report, it is my responsibility between now and July 2022 to ensure is implemented in full. So I can absolutely assure um, you and everyone listening that there is a very serious determination in, in our country, right from the top of government, to make a difference on this, which I believe is one of the most serious issues of our age. Well, Fiona, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. So I think the, uh, the advice for listeners is very, very clear. Pray. Um, and uh, and that includes praying for you, which we will do, uh, Fiona, at the end of the programme, um, but also to get involved with the charities that you mentioned um, and to go and visit their websites and consider donating, getting involved in their work. And thirdly, to, to write to your MP, to encourage them to be aware of the, the plight of persecuted uh, believers around the world and to take their plight seriously and to in, uh, urge intervention. So we're really grateful to you um, for all that you do and in particular in the new role that you have and we wish you all the best in it and we'll be praying for you Fiona it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you thank you Tim A Mucky Business with Tim Farron This is your chance to ask me anything about being a Christian in politics could be ethical political or even personal well, this week we have a question from Christine. Hello, my name's Christine. I'm from Suffolk. Um, I think I'm more concerned than anything else about the um, loss of freedoms in the UK, uh, the loss of liberties. And I'm wondering, um, should we be concerned about this? And what are Tim's views on it? Thank you. Bye. 
Well, there's no doubt over the last 12 months I have uh, tolerated, even supported some restrictions on freedoms I would never have dreamt of doing in normal times. I suppose it's about balancing freedoms, isn't it? So my freedom to not wear a mask has to be balanced against somebody else's freedom not to catch COVID and die, to put it bluntly. So I think that it's always right for us to understand that uh, liberties are often competing and you have to choose uh, sometimes to forego one freedom in order to enjoy a greater freedom. It's probably the key distinctive between a liberal and a libertarian. A libertarian would believe we've got the right to do whatever we want, whenever we want. A liberal would accept that there are competing freedoms. And so I think that so long as we can be convinced that restricting freedoms are protecting greater freedoms, the right to life, shall we say, and to good health, then I am uh, content with this. But I also think Parliament needs to not get used to these sorts of powers uh, being deployed all the time. And it's why I think MPs should be being asked to continue to approve or indeed decline to approve these measures on very regular intervals. Otherwise, governments might get rather used to robbing us of our liberty. I guess also thinking about the words that Fiona said earlier on in the programme, I guess as Christians in this country, we should be grateful for the relative amount of freedom we have to worship and to proclaim our faith. I don't think we're ever really encouraged in the Bible to concern ourselves with our own freedoms, yet we are uh, encouraged to concern ourselves with the freedoms and well-being of others. We're to accept disgrace when it comes uh, to us um, and yet pray for those and help those who are persecuted who are other than ourselves. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. I'd love it if we could join together in prayer as we come to the end of the programme. Well, loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for Fiona Bruce and the role that she has got on behalf of the Prime Minister, championing those who are persecuted because of what they believe. We think of the perhaps 300 million or more Christians on this planet who are persecuted for their faith in you. We thank you for them. We thank you for their boldness and their perseverance. We pray for strength for them, physical strength and provision and for your protection. And that above all else, they will keep being faithful and trusting in you. And indeed that their witness will be seen by those around them as you convince many more to turn to you uh, for eternal life and for forgiveness. Um, Lord, we also want to lift up to you the um, terrible situation that um, we see on our screens with regard to the state of our royal family. And whatever our views on all of this, help us to uh, remember you in all this, that you are the one who died to pay the price for all of our sins, uh, to dispel all bitterness and shame or anger, uh, and to ensure that we're able to come to a place of a, of a total healing when it comes to relationships. And we ask for that kind of healing to take place within the members of our royal family on both sides of the Atlantic. We pray for unity in our country and we pray for continued freedom uh, to preach um, the word and the gospel and that people would be receptive in these most peculiar times to hearing it. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, next week, we'll be talking to someone who's not an MP, but a business owner. If you've ever tried to go to the Entertainer Toy Shop on a Sunday, then you would be thwarted because its owner, Gary Grant, is a Christian who believes his staff should be given Sundays to spend with their families. 
There are plenty more ways that Gary has bucked the trend, not least by keeping his spot on the high street. We'll be discussing how lockdown's politics has affected his business. But until then, thanks so much for spending your time with us now. Thank you for listening.